Welcome to the Bacon Games Podcast, your source for the latest from the MLB and the NFL. Let's get started with your host, Jesse. Um, I'm back from vacation. It was a great time. I have a sunburn all over my nose and most of my body. It's super great. But I've come back this time with a special guest. Um, Dave, why don't you introduce yourself? Hey, thanks a lot for having me on, Jesse. Yeah, I am uh, Dave Kluge. And, you know, this time last offseason, it was a pain in the butt because I was like, you know, I got this show over here and this article over here and you can find my rankings here. But uh, this offseason, I am very excited to say that you can find all of my content exclusively at footballguys.com. Dope, man. That's dope. Yeah, that does feel good to have all in just like one place for sure. Just for like everyone to follow, you know, what you're doing specifically and for yourself, right? To like keep track of everything in the same like boat, right? Right. Hey, (laughs) Jesse, I know we are in the middle of recording. Did my audio just change dramatically, though? Because I just realized that I was using my iPhone um, (laughs) microphone rather than my nice, you know, expensive microphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, It does sound better. I think think that's good. So I think we're good. Yeah, I just realized that. So I don't know know if you want to restart or what, but I am sorry about that. Uh, no, I think it's fine. Um, I think we probably just caught the part where, where you're good, and I'm ready to just push forward. I like a little bit of um, cool. you know weirdness to start my podcast anyway, you know what I mean? <laughs> well, let's do it. All right, let's keep going then. Cool, cool, Appreciate cool. That. So, yeah, so I pulled you on, Dave, because uh, I appreciate a lot of uh, what you put out on Twitter. I'm a big fan of, of what you got going on. And there are some guys that I'm very curious about, especially for Dynasty, is I don't really play as much Dynasty as I think you or probably other people in the space do. So I'm curious to hear your opinion. But I got four guys I want to talk about, and then we'll do something at the end. But, yeah, I want to start off this little redraft Dynasty discussion with, I think, who is I who I think is going to be my most argued about player in the entire offseason, um, and that's Travis Etienne. Um, what, where do you, how do you feel about him? Do you think his price is overinflated or where are you at with ETN this off season? My guy, man, I am so conflicted with Travis ETN because as soon as the season started, the first dynasty startup that I did of this off season was actually, we kicked it off at 1 PM Eastern during the week 18 games. We said, you know what? These games are meaningless. Let's just go ahead and start looking at next year. And in that draft, Travis Etienne dropped to me in the sixth round, and I couldn't believe it. I mean, you know, this time last year, he was going in the second round. He was getting drafted right up there with Najee Harris. So I couldn't believe that he had fallen that far. I was happy to get him. Did another startup, took Etienne again, started doing some best ball drafts, and he just kept falling into the fifth round, and he was just an auto smash for me. And then I started looking into his injury a little bit, and I don't know if I'm quite as excited as I was. This injury does make me feel a little bit pessimistic, and after talking with some people, you know, Edwin Porras and Jesse Morse and some other guys out there, Mm -hmm. they kind of feel the same way. I want to start this off by saying I am not a doctor. So, um, you know, there (laughs) there might be something that I say that isn't completely 100% factual here, but from the research that I've been able to do and from the people that I've talked to, there are two basic types of Lisfranc injuries. Um, you've got a fracture and you've got a sprain. So when you look at the sprain, that typically doesn't require surgery. And the most recent one that we know of uh, that that suffered from that was Joe Mixon. And, you know, that knocked him out week five of the 2020 season. He was basically out for the entire year, uh, didn't require surgery. And as we saw, he bounced back to 100% this year and was absolutely dominant. Now, we've seen other players that have also had sprains in that uh, same joint in the middle of their foot that have bounced back and had great careers. Brian Westbrook had one early on in his career. Dwight Freeney, 
Uh, Jonathan Allen had one as a rookie, and he just had one of his best seasons ever. Le'Veon Bell uh, came off of a Lisbrink injury and went on to have his best season ever. And it seems like the recipe for a full return is just a lot of rest if you've got that spring. Now, we've also seen other people that have had these injuries that haven't bounced back. And I, I think the most glaring example of that would be Ted Jr., who was the uh, ninth overall draft pick, never really hit his potential. And he had that injury as a rookie. So that is probably the most similar situation we have to Travis Etienne. But then you look at some other guys, Santonio Holmes, Maurice Jones-Drew, Darren McFadden, Cedric Benson, Ronnie Brown, Jake Locker, where this injury was essentially a career ender for them. So as far as Lisp Frank's injuries uh, or Lisp Frank injuries that require surgery, there isn't a really big sample size. The only guy I could find that fractured his uh, his Lisp Frank joint, had to have surgery and came back to 100 percent was Julio Jones. He did it at age 24 in the 2013 season, missed almost that entire year and then went on to have five straight years with 1400 plus receiving yards. So. You know, talking about a lot of players here and a very wide range of outcomes. Um, and I think that's just the way that you have to look at Travis Etienne. You know, his ceiling is still as high as it was last offseason. But you've also got to realize that now, given what we've seen this injury do to some other people, his floor is essentially a trap door. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think I think that's all very, very fair to talk about. Um, well, what's, what's kind of curious is, do, do, you, do you think he's the starting running back in Jacksonville? Absolutely, yeah. I mean, they drafted him in the first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've now got James Robinson, who's not expected to be back at the start of next season. So I think that it's got to be him, um, you know, assuming 100% health. And that's the other mm-hmm. thing I want to talk about. And I know I'm really focused a lot on his health here, but that's a, a pretty important thing. He's almost a year removed from the injury now. And we just got a report a week ago that he is resuming light running and lifting weights. I mean, that's not really what you want to hear for an injury is that, you know, almost a year later, that's when they're just starting to get back into some light workouts. So I don't know about his week one um, availability yet, but knowing that that's where he's at in his recovery, I mean, you got to start worrying a little bit about the beginning of this season if he's even going to be ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's definitely fair. Um, but but let's just let's just say hypothetically, like ETN is fine. He just does all the OTA stuff fine. You know, training camp, everything goes smoothly. Um, and he is the guy. Uh, the the you know the starter James Robinson isn't back for week one. It, is he? Do you think that you know he's he's fair value? I think in dynasty he's like the 13th or 15th ranked running back there, and I'm seeing him you know just looking at fantasy pros anywhere from uh, 51st to 76th in redraft. Do you, do you think that's fair value then? Otherwise, yes, I think that if he comes back and shows that he is 100% healthy, his ranking immediately jumps into the top seven or eight running backs overall. And I think the only thing right now, the reason that he's at a discount is because of these injury concerns. One other thing I'm going to say about the injury, and then I promise we'll stop talking about it. Edwin Porras <laughs> pointed this out, that um, people that have had to have surgery on a Liz Frank joint uh, injury, fracture, like like Travis Etienne did, on average, their production drops 21% the following year. So we're already expecting that, that you know maybe his production isn't going to be all that great this year. Um, but but as far as a dynasty stash, I mean, with how cheap he is right now and knowing his ceiling, I mean, I don't want to sound too hot takey here, but with his skill set, the way that he can pass catches, I mean, I think that a fully healthy ETN has just as high of a ceiling as Christian McCaffrey, Austin Eckler, or any of those other cheat code running backs in fantasy football. Interesting. Um, before this injury, you 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 were saying that he was like taking the same space as like Najee Harris, right? Like last year in drafts and stuff like that. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just just behind Najee was the one, and Etn was just right behind him. Mm-hmm. Were you in that same boat? Was was that like what you thought as well? 
I did, yeah. I, you know, I, I've been a big fan of him, and I think that this was the best possible landing spot for him, too. I mean, we saw him in Clemson. He was just an absolute pass-catching machine, and there's a reason that they took him in the first round. I mean, they could have easily waited until the second round and taken him, but they wanted to make sure that they were getting their guy. I think that this is just, uh, you know, a, a match made in heaven, and I think that we're going to see a lot more pro teams start going this way. You know, we saw... Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, they took Jamar Chase to reunite him with Joe Burrow. I just recently said the Bears should do whatever they can to trade up and try to get Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave for Justin Fields. I think when you've got these guys that have already built a strong connection in chemistry in college, trying to bring that into the NFL just gives you such a, uh, you know, it, it's just a way to fast forward development for your franchise quarterback. So I think that there was a very you know, uh, intentional reason that they went out and they drafted Travis Etienne, and that's to help Trevor Lawrence. I think that they're going to lean on him, and Travis Etienne is just going to be the motor that runs that Jacksonville Jaguars offense. Interesting. Um, do you, so, uh, I guess I guess I'm assuming that you you just you think he's talented. You think Etienne's a talented player who can catch a lot of passes, and he's in an offense that he would theoretically be familiar with because he's familiar with the quarterback. Is that the reasons why you like him? Those three that I stated, and he's a exactly, starting quarterback, yeah. I guess. I, or, okay. Yeah, we, we saw James Robinson putting up good numbers in this offense last year. And I think that ETN is a step above James Robinson in almost every single metric. Every single metric? Maybe not power, all right? <laughs> we'll, 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 give, we'll give the power to James Robinson. But uh, when you're looking at the stuff that gets you excited about fantasy, um, I, I think that ETN has a much stronger profile for fantasy football than James Robinson does. Interesting, Dave. That's very interesting to me. I... Oof, uh, I just want to talk a little bit about why I think Etienne is not a good player. Um, I I think he was, he was overdrafted. Yeah, I think he was overdrafted. Um, by far, he was my fifth best running back on my big board, right behind Khalil Herbert. So you know how I feel about Herbert, and uh, and Etienne sorry? was below him. Um, I'm sorry. Do you want to say that? Sorry. No, no. Okay. Yeah, no, no I, I know. I don't. I don't mind being interrupted too. If you have anything you want to say and interrupt me, do, do, go ahead. It's totally fair. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, so first, firstly, I think that my comp for, if I were to tell you that Travis Etienne is going to be a worse, um, CJ Spiller, would you be happy with that comp? Oh God, no, absolutely not. Yeah. I think that's exactly what he's going to be filling out for a guy who can catch the ball in a lot of certain situations. We'll have a year where he probably has, you know, 120, 130 targets could even be this year. Um, and catches you a lot of balls. Um, I think that's fine. Um, but I, I think him and what uh, Fred Jackson did in Buffalo is very similar to what I believe that he will do with um, James Robinson if James Robinson stays healthy. I just I, I remember watching film last year of Travis Etienne, and yeah, he can catch the ball. Trevor Lawrence can swing it. It's absolutely right. But as soon as that guy got touched by college-level players, he would go down without hesitation. Um, that really worries me in the NFL because I don't think he can run between the tackles at all. And the Jaguars are going to be in a little bit of a transition mode, I think, with the offensive line. You know, Linder's going on one of the last years of his contract. He hasn't been healthy for the past, like, two years. They are losing um, their big they get after the 2017 season, which was, um, oh God, I'm totally blanking on his name. It's been first I've looked at this stuff, but um, their offensive, uh, their off, one of their offensive guards who I'm, oh my God, I'm going to look it up real quick, but they're losing offensive guard. You know, people are talking about them tagging Cam Robinson, who's been pretty good in the pass pro, not as much good in um, in, in the running game, but I, I worry that the offensive line might be a little bit in transition, and, and again, they might take Evan Yell, who seems to be the hands-on favorite um, take, which would be great, because he's insane, he can play, apparently he can play guard, he can play tackle, and he's huge and athletic and everything, but I haven't looked into as much. But anyway, um, I, I, I worry that this team is in a little bit of flux, and that's not great for Travis Etienne. Plus, the thing that he does, and what Urban Meyer says, even though Urban Meyer's no longer the coach, what he wanted, you know, in that position in the end of the first round was a guy like Kadarius Tony, a guy like Travis Etienne, which I thought was fucking stupid, and I still think is fucking stupid. Because if you look at the Jaguars roster, I mean, they have 
guys like uh, they signed what a three-year or two-year deal for Jamal Agnew, who is a similar guy to Travis Etienne besides, you know, running between the tackles. They have, they have Laquan Treadwell on their team. They have Levis Gishinol. They have these guys who do a lot of things, you know, with the ball in their hands, um, but not exactly running backs or, you know, rather they catch them in screens. And I wonder if Travis Etienne just falls into that, you know, the same kind of role and there isn't enough volume for him to get there. Now, I understand if he's the starting running back, a little bit because just the volume like I mean I don't think he'll get Najee Harris volume because that was a ridiculous volume that I don't think anyone could have possibly predicted unless they were thinking that he would be you know Le'Veon Bell levels of uh the amount of production that he re- or maybe not production but the amount of touches he would get because that's exactly what he was it was like peak Le'Veon is what what um Najee Harris got this year but anyway um I, I could see that with a volume role but I just I when everything comes together and everyone is healthy and they are still having you know Jamal Agnew the Lushkishnol guys who catch the ball and then run with and do stuff after the catch I wonder if he really fits in this offense in a way that will make him fantasy relevant. Now, I said a lot, so I don't want to, and I, I try not to do that as much, but that's just how I feel about Etienne. Does that make sense? Any of that? No, absolutely. And I, I think that is a very fair knock is this team is just loaded with gadgety players. Like you've got like three different Travis Etienne's pretty much on this team. Um, I, I do agree that, you know, his, his contact balance was something that was a strong knock against him. But we've seen some other guys that had that same knock when they were in college. You know, uh, Christian McCaffrey, DeAndre Swift, they were saying that they wouldn't be in between the tackles uh, running backs either. And it's something that they were able to develop. So that is something, though, that is hurting Travis Etienne right now. You know, on top of the injury, he also missed his rookie season. And missing a rookie year really is going to put him behind the eight ball in his development. But still, I think that he's just a really talented player once he gets the ball in his hands. I think that they're going to be drawn up ways to get him the ball in space like we did see with DeAndre Swift and Christian McCaffrey. And that's why I'm kind of okay making that comp as far as fantasy football goes because I think they're just going to do whatever they can to get the ball in his hands. I think that he is automatically... Um, immediately the best playmaker on this offense. And, you know, you don't have to be a good team to put up good numbers as a fantasy football team, as a fantasy football running back. So this Jaguars team, they might just be two to four wins again next year. But um, I I think that that helps ETN just because that'll be game scripts where they're going to be focused on getting him the ball in the passing game. And as we know, targets worth more than rushes. Mm -hmm. I I still, you know, I, I understand what you're saying. And there is a very, very wide range of outcomes for what can happen with him, but because of that sky-high ceiling and where he's getting drafted late in drafts right now, it's just so hard for me to pass up on him. Let, let me just ask you, so I'm I'm on uh, keeptradecut.com, Dynasty Rankings. Does that does that sound like a good place to, to look for stuff? If I could just give you some names where he's around, who you'd yeah. rather have. Does I'll, that sound cool? Uh, yeah, I, I love Keep Trade Tut. The one thing I'll say is they're very reactive. We saw Gabriel <laughs> Davis jump like 25 uh, spots after his four-touchdown playoff game. So I like Keep Trade Cut. It's a good place yeah. to gauge the market, but it's not not perfect. Totally fair. Let, let me name like the three Let's guys in front and the three guys behind. And I'm just curious where, where you think ETM is. Is that cool? Yeah. Perfect. The guys, first three in front I have is Saquon Barkley, Dalvin Cook, and Nick Chubb. Um, they are 10, 11, 12, and Jarvis ETN's third. Are you taking all those guys over ETN? I am. I okay. am. Um, Cook is somebody that I've been off for a couple of years now. You know, he, he's been able to stay healthy recently, but I just can't fully put my trust in there. You've also got the impending legal issues as well. Mm. Um, and then, you know, Saquon Barkley, actually Saquon's the one that I'd probably put out of ETN um, just for similar reasons with the pass catching upside, still young, hasn't really, you know, been able to put it together so far, but we know what that ceiling is. So I'd put Saquon and ETN about neck and neck. Uh, gun to my head though, I'm probably taking Saquon in that situation. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. I. I, I think. Um. I don't agree. I. I still like Saquon a lot, but the injury history is very, very tough to ignore, especially with the way that Giants' offensive line it looks. But I'm, I'm taking. I. I wonder if I'm just 
not cool you know, enough from, on, from like, a dice setup mm-hmm. template, though, you, you got to realize, though, Saquon's a free agent after this year, too. So mm-hmm. um, this could really be the last chance to get Saquon Barkley at a discount. And mm-hmm. he might have another, you know, just boomer bust RB2 season in New York like we've seen for the last couple of years. But there are so many options that could be better for him after this year. So I think right now the reason he's still pushed up where he is in dynasty rankings are the hopes that he lands in Kansas City next year or that he lands sure. on a team that can really yeah. utilize him. Because if we know that he's spending the rest of his career on the Giants, he's probably fallen into you know the, the, the late 20s as far as rankings go. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely something to consider with the petting for agency, for sure. Um, no, these la- these next three guys, they're all apparently the same tier as ETN, but ETN's at the front of the tier. I got Cam Akers, Alvin Kamara, Derek Henry, and I'm also going to throw in David Montgomery, because I'm curious how I feel about Montgomery, too. But would you take any of those guys in front of ETN? Uh, none of them. No, I've got ETN firmly them. ahead of all those guys. Okay. Yeah. I mean, well, I don't like Cam Akers, so you don't need to. You don't need to sell me on that one. But uh, is, is Henry's just the age, or Kamara's the age, or what are we thinking about for those two? Yeah. I mean, with with Henry, I have uh, I've been pushing to sell Henry for about two years now in Dynasty. Um, you know, I know that there's no glory in victory lapping injuries, and that's not what I'm attempting to do here. But I faded Derrick Henry pretty hard last season because I said, you know, just looking at the history of guys that have had 400 touches, looking at the history of guys that have rushed for 2,000 yards, when you looked at their averages, those guys weren't even putting up 1,000 yards in their following seasons because almost every single one of them got injured. I think the only guy that didn't get injured was, I believe it was Marshall Falk, but every single guy missed time the following year. And, you know, it's just, he's getting to that age age now where he's got an excessive amount of wear and tear on his body. And I know that this injury wasn't even a wear and tear injury. It was more of kind of a fluke injury. But um, I I think we're going to start seeing a lot of those fluky injuries popping up with Derrick Henry. Um, What is he? He's 28 now going on 29. Um, And and I just can't invest in a guy that has been seeing, you know, nearly 400 touches a year for a few straight seasons now at that age. So, um, I mean, if, if I got to be completely honest with you, when I'm looking at a 28-year-old, 29-year-old running back with that type of wear and tear, I'm trying to sell them for whatever I can because, you know, he he's just one injury away from being a falling knife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get that. Um, I was uh, on the South Derrick Henry boat like two years ago uh, as well, and I just kind of accepted he, he, is, he is very good. I thought the offensive line was really carrying him, and it was. I still think it is a little bit because he needs – he's yeah. like a freight train, needs to get up a little bit, needs to get up to speed. Like you put him behind – the New York Giants line, and he doesn't crack a thousand yards, no way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I understand. Even with the volume, I don't think he would have. But Kamara's a really interesting one for me because I wonder if just, you know, Alvin Kamara's 26 years old. I understand he's in like, you know, the not good side of where we want Arby's, especially to be in Dynasty. But man, aren't you just expecting Travis Etienne, who's only three years younger, to just be Alvin Kamara? Or is, do you expect him to be more than Alvin Kamara has been or will be in the next two years? Or what's, what's the logic there? I'm curious. And the only logic here for taking ETN over Alvin Kamara is there's almost no situation where Alvin Kamara appreciates in value from here. I mean, what would he have mm-hmm. to do at this point for him to rise in the ranks? I just don't see that happening. I mean, mm-hmm. he he's, doesn't have Drew Brees anymore, so he's not getting the targets that he was. And, you know, he could put up, uh, you know, a, a, a 2,000 scrimmage yards this season and 15 touchdowns. And he is still going to be ranked exactly where he is going into the following year. Travis mm-hmm. ETN, just because of the upside that he has... Um, you know, and his age, you know, if he puts up a good season, like I said, he immediately jumps into the, the, the top five to eight running back conversation. And then you're sitting there on a very, very valuable asset. I think Kamara could still have, you know, one, two, maybe even three or four good years left in the tank. But I just don't see any situation where his value goes up from here like Travis Etienne's can. 
Okay. Yeah, that, that's a that's a different. It's an interesting point for sure in, in terms of value. Yeah, I think so. I don't. I don't know if Travis. Etienne, I mean, well, I'm just low on Travis Etienne talent wise, but I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think he would ever have even close to what Kamara's had as one of his top seasons. So I just personally, I just feel like I'm taking the baked in asset there already because I know what this asset is, and I I know that it's going to be good. And I like we mentioned, there are a lot a lot of issues with, or maybe not a lot a lot of, but there's the injury issue, there's the new coaching issue, there is what I would consider an offensive line and just playmaking ability issue with Etienne, and I just I just feel like I'd rather have a more solid asset, and I just wonder if that's my dynasty position on most things especially in the nfl because there's just so, sh- such short lifespans for this kind of stuff too or just like I, I don't know i wonder if i'm if i'm overvaluing uh veterans rather than rookies but i just i i don't know i feel like i don't maybe just i don't see the potential it's probably what i'm getting at but that's fine so, but we've, so we've, yeah so, go ahead, go ahead. And, I, and i think this is kind of a, maybe a, a bit of a game theory thing but um you know so I, i've definitely changed my approach in dynasty and a main reason for that is because when i first started playing dynasty i said wow you can just get veterans at such a discount like this is crazy why is alan robinson so cheap why is amari cooper so cheap why and i and i kept drafting all of these veterans saying like these guys have years and years of proven success and then the floor just fell out from underneath them and i was left with absolutely nothing so i've kind of changed my approach since then and my basic you know the the way that i look at this is i try to look at every player like a stock and you want to buy a stock that has opportunity to grow and appreciate in value um, and, and I just think Travis Etienne is one guy right now that probably has, you know, the, the, the biggest room to grow as far as an asset where he's getting drafted right now and where he could potentially be getting drafted next year. So this, you know, if you're playing in dynasty leagues where you're just, you know, drafting your team, making your rookie picks and just riding those guys till the wheels fall off. Um, yeah, you know, maybe go for Camaro, but if you're in active leagues with a lot of analysts that like to trade and like to play the market, I think ETN is the move right here just because you can end up getting more for him. Yeah, I think, I think that's definitely fair and, de- and definitely reasonable. I would, I would also say, yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, I think Travis ETN could have one or two, like, you know, high CJ Spiller-esque years. And that, that may sound like a dig, but he, he was pretty good in fantasy for those, for those few years. But I, I think that's I where it's at. I know yeah. you're a very, you're a very big uh, David Montgomery fan though, and they're actually pretty close in age. What is David Montgomery? Twenty four years old right now. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I think they're only about a year apart. I guess you could probably make a pretty strong argument for David Montgomery at, at Travis Etienne as well, and I, I know you probably would would uh would would fall into that bucket. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so let's hear what 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 is it uh, about David Montgomery that you prefer over Travis Etienne? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, Travis Etienne is just, you know, he's probably in, like, my mid-20s for rankings. Just I'm looking at this for, like, running backs and, and dynasty. And, again, maybe I am overvaluing um, veterans over over rookies for sure. Um, and I haven't even looked at, like, the rookie class as in-depth as I want to. But I imagine I'm taking a lot of those guys over Etienne uh, as well. But, I mean, Montgomery is just, I mean, especially in the Bears system. I know he's got this year and maybe even next year. Or is it just this year, Dave? Uh, just this year. I think it's just um, this year, he's right? He's not a first yeah. round pick, so he's just got yeah. the contract. Yep, right, right. Okay, so yeah, um, I, th- that is a little bit tougher because I think he really, really fits well in Chicago, and I like the offensive line they're putting together. Actually, as much as, as weird as that probably sounds, um, hey, Teddy Jenkins, just wait. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Barham a lot too. Um, I'm, I'm a fan yep. of that offensive line. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think Montgomery is just a way better runner, and I think he can, I think. He can catch the ball. He reminds me of uh, Leonard Fournette, where people just underestimate his ability to catch the ball. Um, and I just think he's had other guys who have been able to take that over for him. So I think he has, you know, a what I'm going to call a Josh Jacobs receiving upside-esque type thing. I don't know right. how accurate right. that is or how, how that got there. But I understand why people like ETN over 
for sure with 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 the with the upside that they think he has, which I don't think he has with the receiving stuff. But Montgomery is one of the most vicious runners I've seen in the NFL. And if you like a guy like Antonio Gibson running the ball, then you have to like David Montgomery running the ball. I know Gibson has the obviously pass catching upside if McKissick ever leaves that place with him. But I just I I, I think I think Montgomery is just an insanely good runner, instinctual, knows where the holes are, violent, just a perfect Chicago running back. Reminds me a lot of um uh thomas jones so i'm, I'm a big fan oh, like, just yeah. I'll, I'll give you one uh i know you're already a montgomery fan so let me just give you one little piece of information yeah. that you'll like to hear I, I watched the uh the press conference that they did the other day with the new gm and the new head coach and they refused to answer any questions about personnel when asked about justin fields when asked about anybody you know they gave the very you know soft <laughs> answer and the one player that they brought up organically was david montgomery and they talked about his leadership and uh the way that he sets the tone on the offense and both Brian Poles and um, uh, Eberflus were both hyped up about David Montgomery. So I think that he is probably going to be a long-term piece to the Bears' offense. Yeah, um, yeah I, I I hope so. He fits in really well, I feel like. Um, but you know how much I also love just – I just love um, what they had, Cliff Herbert. So it's a little, it's a little, uh, it's a little different for me. But, yeah, no, I'm, I'm – I'm, Dynasty is tough for me. And in redraft, I'm definitely on Montgomery for sure. But – I understand the uncertainty that people probably feel and the more certainty they feel with uh, with ETN. So I understand that, you know what I mean? But I'm just not there because I don't believe in the talent, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, is there anything else you want to add about ETN or should we move on? No, let's go ahead and move on. I, I do want to say, Perfect. though, I, I love that yeah. you called out Leonard Fournette's pass-catching abilities. I feel like I've been beating that drum for years and nobody believes me. And we finally got to see it last year with Tom Brady. Yeah. He is such an underrated pass catcher. All right, we can go on to the next guy. No, I just wanted fine. to give you props for that call. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. Um, no, it's fine. No one watches Jaguars teams, so they have no idea what they're talking about when they talk about Jaguars players sometimes. <laughs> um, so I just I just I have that little piece of information in the back in my back pocket. But anyway, um, yeah, next up we got one of my favorite players that you know people just keep hating on, and I understand why they hate on it, but they're just wrong. But um, we've got Will Fuller. Um, he's pretty cheap. Uh, I'll say that much. So I don't think you really need to expend much, if anything, on him. I have uh, his draft ranking currently as number 171. His dynasty ranking is number 67 for wide receivers, uh, tier 19. So I don't I don't think there's a lot of competition going on there. Um, so tell me, I, I think you're probably on the I don't like Will Fuller side. Is that accurate? You know, I, I do really like him, and, and I try not to get too concerned about injuries because injuries are fluky and they aren't easy to predict. But at, at one point, like, when do you finally say somebody is injury-prone? Because, I mean, we have just seen this time and time and time again with Will Fuller. Um, when he's healthy, you know, I, I, I think that he is a top 15 receiver in the league. Uh, he is just absolutely dominant. And we saw it a couple of years ago with Deshaun Watson. Unfortunately, couldn't see it this year. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I love Will Fuller. It's just... You know, the, that injury concern is, isn't something I put too much weight into, but you kind of have to with Will Fuller. I mean, uh, it, it was a broken finger that basically ended his season this year. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's accurate for sure. Um, I, I just, I'm just looking at guys around him and I'm just, I'm salivating at what I, where I can get Will Fuller. Like, look, I'm, I'm Terrace Marshall, Russell Gage, Jarvis Landry, Michael Hardman, Cedric Wilson, Tim Patrick, Brian Edwards, Kendrick Bourne, Demi Brown, Marquise Calloway, KJ Hamler. Like, I, I get these guys are young. Some of them are rookies. I like some of them even. Um, but Will Fuller's 27 years old, and I don't think, you know, a team that is 
not really competing is going to take a, a, a one-shot deal like Miami did. Miami was not in eight, just a reminder for everyone. They, they they were very close to making the playoffs, and they were definitely coming into the year. They were coming off an 11-win season. So the reason they went out and signed Will Fuller for a one-year deal is to get that one-year explosive to try and get something out of him. I expect some teams, I expect there to be interest at least. And I, I really do think that he's going to go to a contender with a good team. And if he's able to stay healthy, look, give me 10 games of Will Fuller, and he'll be he'll more than make up for his you know 171 ADP price. I just think he's too cheap to pass up. You know what I mean? Does, that, that, that's really where my I, argument yeah. is coming from. I cannot yeah. agree with you more. Of all the names that you listed, there's only one guy that slightly intrigues me, and that's Marquez Callaway. But sure. Will Fuller should be, you know, two, three tiers ahead of every single guy that you just listed. I don't understand why. I mean, I do understand because people get scared of injuries. But I have taken Will Fuller in almost every single startup, almost every single best ball draft that I've done this year, just because his value is so suppressed. He's almost guaranteed to, you know, just just outperform his current ADP. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's great. I think that's what I was trying to say, except you did it more concisely. So I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, Will, Will Fuller just, I, I don't know. Do, do you do you have any idea or maybe like best landing spots where you think it could go? I'm just thinking, and I know a team like this probably won't do it, but I, I think if Green Bay doesn't end up tagging, you know, Adams, or they can't work out a long-term deal or something like that, getting in some cheap receivers, like two or three guys like Will Fuller, or I don't remember, I don't really know what the wide receiver market's going to look like, but I could see a team like Green Bay adding him just as if they lose Devontae Adams and they need to replace the wide receiving talent as quickly as possible. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not, if, not only Devontae Adams, but it looks like Alan Lazard is going to leave as well. So they're going to have to yeah. bring in something there. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I can't even speculate on the Packers right now. They are sure. just... It is such a headache. I have no idea what they're going to end up doing. I saw a report come out today that Aaron Rodgers is waiting to make his decision until he sees what the Packers want to do with Devontae <laughs> Adams. So yeah. it, I don't know exactly what's going on in Green Bay. And and I, you know, I don't want to sound like a homer here, but Will Fuller is one of the guys that I really want the Bears to go out and grab. I mean, going into next year, the Bears have one wide receiver under contract, and it's Darnell Mooney. <laughs> and you kind of have this idea of Darnell Mooney as being just a deep threat, and then you think that, Will Fuller is just a deep threat as well. So, um, you know, having the two on the same team probably doesn't sound like it would make a lot of sense. But Darnell Mooney really improved his route running last year. He's not just a deep threat anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he picked up a lot from Allen Robinson and, um, you know, just developed into, you know, he he almost looks like a veteran when he's running routes. He kind of reminds me more of a Tyler Lockett where he can run across Mm -hmm. the face of the offense. He's running slants. He's he's doing a little bit of everything. And if they can turn Darnell Mooney into that first down possession receiver and let Will Fuller just blow the top off the defense, that's what he's best at doing. So I would love to see Will Fuller uh, link up with Justin Fields in that beautiful deep ball. Mm. Yeah, that'd be great. I also think, I mean, I, I, I'm going to intuit that you also think that Will Fuller is not just a deep threat when he's healthy. Is, is that correct? You know, that's what he does best. Um, I think sure. he's a little bit more well-rounded than the, uh, you know, consensus believes him to be. But mm-hmm. I think that his, you know, skill set is best used when he can get 30, 40 yards downfield. Yeah, yeah, that's totally fair. Definitely. I, I think Will Fuller's a very complete receiver. Um, I, I, You know, you mentioned, I think, before that he could be like a top 15 receiver if he stays healthy the entire year. I think that's very, very, very uh, possible for uh, as well. Um, I, I, think he, I think he can that- do more. I really do. But yeah, go ahead. And that's why I like the idea of him and Mooney together, because mm. people look at Darnell Mooney and Will Fuller and they think that both of them are yeah. just, you know, mm-hmm. speedsters that can get downfield. And they are so much more well-rounded that if you can mm-hmm. put those guys on opposite sides of the field, keep the defense guessing who's going deep and who's going to, you know, cut their route off short. I think that it just makes for a very dynamic offense. And then, you know, both mm-hmm. of those guys with their speed and ability to get downfield. I mean, that that's what we need to do is just surround Justin Fields with deep mm-hmm. threats, because that's his best ball is when he's just letting it rip downfield. 
Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think I think you can build a really cheap, nice receiving group with those two guys. Because um, I don't think they'll. I mean, obviously, Mooney isn't costing much. He's on a rookie deal. I don't think Fuller will cost that much either. I think that would be yeah, really smart idea. And the Bears have a surprising amount of cap space, unless I'm mistaken. I feel like they're in the fifties, fifty mil of cap space. I could be wrong about that, but they they yeah. are. They've got about fifty mil, but they also have like twenty nine spots right. that they need to right. fill in their roster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah for but, sure. but honestly, I think one of the best fits for Will Fuller. Uh, would be to stay in Miami. And I know it didn't work out last year, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, they don't really have that dynamic receiver. Well, I guess they do now with Jalen Waddle. I, I take that back. I completely forgot about okay. Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle <laughs> hit everything that he was supposed to do. Never yeah. mind. Uh, the, the the Dolphins do not. The, the, the only thing with Fuller, if he were to return to Miami, I really don't think he will, just because I think there's bad blood there, apparently. That's something I remember hearing. But uh, if he were to return there, um, I... I th- they think just the real issue would be giving Tua enough time to, like, get him downfield, you know, to use his skill set appropriately. Because I think Jalen Waddle, you know, as much as he's been good, as much as you mentioned he did everything pretty much correctly, I mean, he coming out of college, what my favorite thing about Waddle was that he he was a great downfield receiver. Uh, so, I, right. you know, I, I think that was his biggest thing going into it. So I think he has even more stuff to be unlocked. But that's a conversation for another time. I love Waddle. I'll take him anywhere I can. Um, but I think just give like Tua. Like Daniel there, we're, we're going to see him, you know. Oh, yeah. A- Eight out of four next year. He's just going to be kept in everything right at the line of scrimmage is my guess. I don't think we're going to see him getting downfield too much. It's definitely possible. I just think the offensive line needs to improve for Tua to go through his reads more and for there to be more time for things to develop downfield, hopefully. But yeah, I mean, it's, you know, we'll see. He's he's good at what he does and he does a lot of, he does, I'm sorry, he's good at everything and he does a lot of things well. So I just love him, but that's another conversation. You're definitely right about Mooney too. And I, I he was a guy who, you know, I'd heard rumblings last year about people thinking he was like a sleeper and stuff like that. And I was pretty off of him, but I think, I think you're pretty right. And I think I saw that on film too. He looks like a very complete receiver. I'm excited for him as well with fields. So yeah. Um, yeah, is there anything else we wanted to talk about with Will Fuller? He's just, I think summing it up is just, you know, at his price, he just feels like too good to pass up, right? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm loving Will Fuller right now, and I'm sure that as we get closer to the season, you know, it's only going to take one video of him running at a full sprint <laughs> for his ADP to skyrocket. So right now, while his value is suppressed and, and everybody's mm-hmm. concerned about him, I'm just drafting him everywhere I can. He's one of those sure. guys right now, if you're in a trade, he's it's like you don't have to trade for Will Fuller. You trade for another player and then just, oh, yeah, why, why don't you throw Will Fuller in there, too? And you can just get Will Fuller for free right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would definitely be doing that if he wasn't already on all my Dynasty teams. But, yeah, no, totally, totally fair. <laughs> totally fair. Um, all right, I think this is definitely going to be more – or definitely is in this offseason. We're going to be talked about a lot, a more controversial player. Um, well, maybe not more controversial, but more – I think people either have him really high or really low. I'm talking about Amon Ra St. Brown, the Detroit savior. Last five weeks or five, six weeks of the season, he was just on fire. But that was, again, without some weapons in Detroit. But give me how you feel about St. Brown. Do you think he's overinflated price? Do you think he's even good? Do you think this fourth-round pick is going to be someone who we're going to be talking about for the next few years as a top wide receiving option? What do you got for me, Dave? You know, Amon Ra St. Brown, he's, uh, he's a guy that I was really hyping up last offseason. was really, really excited about him, and everybody told me, you know, the hit rate's on fourth-round wide receiver. It's oh, non-existent. Yeah. It's not going to happen, blah, 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 blah. And and I stood behind him, and I said, you know, I think Amon is a really good player, and I think that, you know, he should be getting drafted higher in rookie drafts, higher in dynasty drafts. And then he did what he did last year, and now I'm on the complete opposite side of the fence, and I'm saying, all right, guys, let's pump the brakes. He's not that good because, um, you know, I'm doing startups right now, and he is getting drafted just way higher than I think he deserves to be. And, um, you know, one of the one of the things that I kind of got known for last offseason was fading Brandon Ayuk. And I look at Amon or St. Brown and his – trajectory, every everything. I mean, obviously, they've got different draft capitals, and I think that Brandon Ayuk is a much better player. But Brandon Ayuk, his breakout in 2020 came when Debo Samuel and George Kittle got hurt at the end of the season. 
And wouldn't you know it, that's exactly what happened with the modern St. Brown. DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson got hurt, and then he absolutely blow, blew up. So the numbers, with a healthy DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson, through 11 games, Amon St. Brown had 4.7 targets, 3.5 receptions, 32 yards per game, and zero touchdowns. Remember, 11 games, zero touchdowns. In these six games without DeAndre Swift or TJ Hawkinson, 11.2 targets, which would have been one of the best in the league, 8.5 receptions, 93.3 yards, and almost a full touchdown per game. I mean, this was putting up Julio Jones' prime numbers, mm-hmm. um, and, and that's where people are drafting him right now. I mean, I'm seeing him going like fourth, fifth round in startups, and I just cannot get behind him at that ADP. Yeah, you, man, almost to a T, exactly what I did, which is very weird. Like, I was a huge fan of Amara St. Brown. He was, I think, like my sixth or seventh best wide receiver in this very, very crowded class, I will say. Um, I love them. I was also fading, fading Brandon Ayuk for very similar reasons as well this offseason. And now I think um, I think he's more reasonably valued, just generally, Ayuk I, I is. Because I think he's, I don't think he's bad. I think he's a good receiver. Um, I never thought he was bad, but I just thought the ADP was insane, right? That's where you were at, too? Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. similar stuff. I... I just wonder, I, I think I think St. Brown had an even better time than just look at these last numbers that, than, than Ayuk did. And I understand that, like, there isn't really anyone else there. Like, I know we talk about that in fantasy as not being exactly, like, you know, relevant or the, the, the best thing to say. Because, you know, there is always some guy there. I mean, like, you know, we saw Kendrick Bourne, you know, do stuff in, in – um, in uh, whatever in New England this year, and it was like, yeah, I mean, there's no one else there. It's going to be obviously, it's going to be all the you know Nikhil Harris show or whatever. You know what I mean? Something, whatever like that. But you know, I I just I I wonder if these numbers are just too good to ignore. Do you think that that's a possibility, or is that has that been a a thing in your mind at all? No, it, it really okay. hasn't. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I'm looking right now. So I'm I'm in the midst yeah. of a startup right now. We're sitting in the 14th round. Let me just read some of the names that Amonra St. Brown got drafted ahead of. Sure. And, yeah, and yeah. just mm-hmm. let me know what you think about this. Sure. Um, Brandon Ayuk, first of all. <laughs> crazy. I'm, I'm taking, I, I'm I'm, take, oh, I don't know if that's crazy. I'll, I'll take Amon Ra Brown over Brandon Ayuk still. I'm sorry. Is that who you said, right? All right. Yeah, Brandon Ayuk. So that, that yeah. was one. Uh, Rashad, well, well, Rashad what's, the, what's the difference, though? Why, why, do you th- why do you think that they're... Why do you think they're not like analogous or at least similar? Because we, we went over, you know, or at least you said that like the rookies were similar and then I took a step back and he's probably good, but not too good. Is that is that where you are with Ayuk or no? Yeah, I, th- I think Ayuk is just such a better athlete, though. Um, I mean, when he gets the ball in his hand, he's explosive. And I think, um, you know, in a vacuum, I think that if you swapped and you put Brandon Ayuk on the Lions last year, he would have put up better numbers than Amon St. Brown. Did. I just think that overall he is a better player. Um, okay. I, I think that Amon St. Brown has a much better situation right now, you know, being the perceived wide receiver one in the Lions. But uh, just in a vacuum, looking at pure talent, I think that Ayuk is the better player. And, uh, okay. you know, in Dynasty, I, I bet on talent more than I bet on situation. Definitely. Um, so one of my big fears right now with Amon St. Brown is that everybody's drafting him because they expect him to be the wide receiver one in Detroit. And they're going to expect him to see 11.2 targets and 9.5 receptions per game again. Sure, and sure. I don't think that's going to happen. I think the Lions are going to make a splashy wide receiver signing mm-hmm. or they're going to use that first round or second round pick on a wide receiver. I mean, they are almost assured to address the wide receiver position yeah. in the offseason. And as Definitely. soon as that happens, Amon St. Brown's ADP is going to drop 20, 30 spots. So some of these other names that are getting drafted behind yeah. Amon St. Brown, Rashad Bateman, Kadarius Tony, Jerry Judy, Marquise Brown, Juju Smith-Schuster. I mean, I just, I, mm. I, I can't. I think the hype has gotten a little bit too high if we're putting Amon St. Brown over those dudes. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm probably taking all those guys over St. Brown as well. Um, Judy is the it, only one. I think I might take a Monroe over Judy. I have not liked what I've seen from Judy through his really? first couple of years. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah I, I get that. He was my number one coming out, and I think it was a lot of number ones, a lot of people's number one coming out. And I still believe in the talent. I just think he was he's just been such bad. He's dealt with injuries. He's dealt with bad quarterback play. I hate Drew Lock more than I think people. I know people don't like Drew Lock, but I hate Drew Lock. Um, and I, I just don't think that Teddy Bridgewater stuff like you know he was able to unlock what what people need to do for for a guy like Jerry Judy. I still think a lot of stuff is there, but that's a conversation for another time. I I think there are a lot of rookies that I would take over St. Brown, but it's not super close like we're, we're talking about you know Bateman I believe you said there and I just don't know if he'll get the target share that that Amon Ra Brown can still probably get even when they bring in another wide receiver which they definitely are doing I 100% agree with you there um but yeah I understand what you're saying I think the price is definitely inflated because you know people just assume the same amount of target share and I get that um I I think I'll be buying just once that ADP drops, like you said it will. And I, I think it will drop a decent amount. And I'll, I think I'll be buying once it gets there. But at this point, I'm in agreement for sure. His ADP is too high. I'm not taking him where he's at. There are other but, assets yeah, I, that are just better. I, yeah. I, I think he's a very good football player, but I'm just afraid that right now we are buying him at his absolute ceiling. Totally agree. Yeah, I, th- I think that's definitely fair. I think by the by the beginning of the year or by closer to the beginning of the start of the 2022 football season, I think the ADP will drop, like you said, and I think I'll probably have him on more teams than I would if it were to be at where you said he was. You said, like, what, round – I think you said round six? Or wait, was I wrong with that? Uh, in this one, yeah, I've seen him go as high as the sixth round, but okay, in this fair. one he went at the uh, seven, eight turn. Okay, yes. Yeah, that well, feels, that feels early, that. though. Sorry, say again? Especially, you know, we, we talked about Will Fuller. Like, imagine, yeah. like, Will Fuller would be a pretty right. good fit in Detroit. And if Will Fuller signs with Detroit, Amano St. Brown immediately drops five rounds in ADB. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure, I get that. I just, mm, yeah. I, I I do believe in the talent for St. Brown, but I, I think he's similar in Brendan Nick, and I think that they're both good players who should be number two in an offense, and that they can get to, like, 1,000 yards and get to, like, you know, 10 touchdowns, and that would be, like, their upside. That, that That's kind of where I'm at. I think that's, like, their ceiling, at least, rather. Is, is that agreeable? Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Cool. Perfect. I, th- I think that's a good spot for Brown. I think, th- I think people, re- people really need to hear that. Not just for me, because I'll say it all the time. From other people as well, they need to hear that. <laughs> Too high on some of these guys. It's just because of ADP. It's not like we don't like these guys. We were both high on him on Ross St. Brown before, but now he's just too much of a uh, too uh, big of a price hike, and we, we can't be about him. I think that's just fair, you know? Yeah. And I'll, I'll steal it from Matt Kelly at Roto Wonder World. He says it all the time. We don't hate players. We hate ADPs. And that is totally. so true. Like, there, there are so many totally. players that... I would love to draft, like, you know, don't get me wrong, <laughs> I, I, I love Darren Waller, but Darren Waller right now is getting drafted mm. in the third round of Dynasty drafts, and I just can't do it. I mean, that, that's yeah. just how it is. Yeah, that's, that's, I, I, yeah, I agree with that one too, but uh, I don't want to take us too far off the thing, because I want to talk about <laughs> our friend, yes. I think he's our friend, because, you know, he's been on both of our teams, uh, Alan Robinson. Um, you know, we don't know, this is a not really tough one, it definitely is, but I, I just really want to hear how you felt this past year with the Bears you know, what that maybe did to him going forward? Like, do you think that this ruined, you know, people's perceptions of him so much that he's a value in ADP? Or do you think he's just declining and, you know, teams maybe just have caught on to what he's been able to do? And I'm, I'm, I need to know what you think about him because I have very strong feelings about Alan Robinson. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I love Alan Robinson. And one of the things that I've liked about him is he was putting up elite wide receiver numbers, but he never had that diva persona that so many good wide receivers have. That's a good point. That's kind yeah. of... That's kind of what we saw this year, though, with, like, the cryptic tweets and the mm-hmm. liking things and, mm-hmm. you know, just, like, kind of stirring things up. And and I hinted at this a little bit in the offseason. I said, you know, I don't I don't think that it's any reason to freak out. You know, I, I think you and I both in redraft, I know I did for sure, I had uh, Allen Robinson as a wide receiver one. I had him as my mm-hmm. wide receiver 11 overall, and, and that's where I was drafting him, and it burned me bad. Yeah. Um, 
But I did hint in an article that I wrote. I said, you know, there is some kind of weird underlying animosity with the Bears, though. Um, he wanted out of Chicago, and they franchise tagged him. And then right after they franchise tagged him, then they wind and dine Kenny Galladay. I don't know if you remember that or not. They made a huge yep. offer to Kenny Galladay. So yep. for them to, you know, after Al Robinson has put in, you know, a, a consistently very good years in Chicago, rather than just saying, hey, you know, here's the paycheck you deserve. It's, hey, we're going to slap the franchise tag on you, and then we're going to go try to pay Kenny Galladay. And I completely understand why they put a bad taste in Allen Robinson's mouth. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that his injuries this year uh, were really the problem. I think it was kind of a mental thing. I think he checked out, and honestly, I don't blame him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that he's still talented enough that he's going to be able to bounce back in a better situation. But I am afraid that this may have sullied his reputation and his image a little bit in the NFL. I don't know what teams are going to want to take a chance on him anymore. Oh, you think you think that's a, a, a point? You think teams might just give him like a look for a one-year or two-year deal and he might not be into that or something like that? Or just like, you know, yeah. is that the issue? I, I, I think that's what he's got to do now. I don't think that any team is going to go out and sign a 28-year-old Allen Robinson coming off the year that he's coming off of. You know, last year, had he hit free agency, he probably would have gotten a $50, $60 million um, yeah. deal somewhere. You know, he would have probably gotten four or five years. He probably could have retired off of that deal, maybe played another couple of years after, something like that. But now I think that he needs a prove-it deal. I, I can't see any team coughing up $30, $40 million for Allen Robinson after the year that he just had in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I, I yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I agree with everything you said. You're you're, you're definitely right about that. For the uh, yeah, I agree with everything you said. But um, I mean, I think I think you and I both know the kind of situations Allen Robinson has dealt his entire career. I don't think he's ever had like a favorable situation. I don't think ever. Literally going back to Penn State in his entire career, where he's Blake had like, good stuff. Blake Bortles yeah. is the best situation well, he's ever had. And it was. And I mean, to, to be fair though, he did get like 150 targets with the with those Jags. To to, to be fair, he has been able to you know, you know, secure a lot of targets. Back to back years in Chicago. Yeah, uh, yeah, he did, he did, he did, he definitely did, which I think, you know, inflates the numbers a little bit, which is fine, but I think if, I think just, I, I don't understand why players for fantasy football or just people in general are so stupid and reactionary, but I mean, this guy was a first-round pick, or, or was a wide receiver one last year, I think we both thought that, and I think a lot of people thought that, and now he's going in the, God, the seventh, eighth, ninth round, even if you don't know anything about this player, I don't know how you can't be on this guy for at least half of your teams, just based on the fact that people a year ago were talking about him being one of the top 10, top 20 wide receiver in the NFL, and now he's, what, a top 40 wide receiver in the NFL? I don't think shit like that changes in one year for any top athlete in any situation. I, I just don't. I don't believe it. And if you thought Allen Robinson was good a year ago, you should absolutely still think he's good this year. And he's going to go to a better situation, most likely, than he's ever been in his entire career. I I, I just, I, I, you know, I don't want to say that because it always get worse. But I just, it just, I don't understand. This seems simple. This seems just really, really simple and easy for me. And I just don't understand the the insanity that is him being drafted so late. Uh, I, I, I guess maybe there is worry that I, I just didn't think about that. Maybe he won't sign to a team or at least there won't be like a, enough interest for him to go to like a relevant team for him to be good. But he's done that plenty in his past. If, and, and if he goes to a team like even like Detroit or if he goes to a team, which would be really funny, I think. But, you know, if he goes to a team where he is the clear wide receiver one, they're a crappy team. Um, I don't care. He can command 150 targets like he has in the past. 28 is a little bit old. Sure, I get that. But I mean. God, even in Dynasty, I mean, do you know what these guys are going to look like in three years? I mean, I don't think you can project any NFL player in three years or else we'd, talk, we'd be talking about Todd Gurley being the top pick, you know, in drafts okay, over exactly. and over again, you know? So, I, I, you know, give me two, three years of good Allen Robinson play. 
depending on where he goes, you know, I, I don't think it even matters to me considering where his ADP is right now. But give me that over, I mean, in Dynasty, I'll read the names after this, but in Redraft, too, just give him to me all the time. I, I, I would take him, you know, in a vacuum in the fifth round, no problem in any league. So that's just yeah. where I'm at. I, honestly, I think one of the reasons, you know, Allen Robinson and Kenny Galladay, um, mm-hmm. they're, they're a few years apart. Allen Robinson's a few years older than him, but they've always kind of been attached just, uh, you know, with them playing in the same conference, them having similar builds, similar mm-hmm. skill sets, play styles, all of that. And I think that's what really has people scared is seeing the way that Kenny Galladay just completely fell off the face of the earth last year. And I think that people are kind of almost expecting that with Allen Robinson. And that's why his ADP is so low. Um, I'm with you, though. I think that he's a great value at his current ADP. Now, you know, on Twitter, I'm, I'm no stranger to, to, to hot takes and, and stirring up some <laughs> trouble here and there. And one of the takes that I had last year that just infuriated people, I had like 50 people unfollow me this day for saying it. I said that um, draft Allen Robinson and, uh, you know, reap the rewards of him putting up good numbers with Andy Dalton. And then as soon as Justin Fields takes over, sell Allen Robinson. I said that in the offseason and people mm-hmm. were livid. They said, you know, Justin Fields is the best quarterback that Allen Robinson has ever played with. How can you possibly say this? And when you've got a veteran quarterback, I think that's what Allen Robinson needs because Allen Robinson mm-hmm. isn't a guy that's ever going to be open alone on an island. He's a guy that uses his body to position himself the way yeah. to make a catch. Mm-hmm. And you need a veteran quarterback like Andy Dalton did for years with AJ Green, somebody that can work on the reps, build that chemistry, make the connection and willing and, and be willing to have the trust in him. Justin Fields is not that type of quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, compounded with that, Justin Fields didn't get reps with Allen Robinson in the offseason. Justin Fields was working with a freaking second team for the entire offseason while Allen <laughs> Robinson and wouldn't you know it, in week one, Allen Robinson got eleven targets from Andy Dalton. And then as soon as Justin Fields took over, he stopped getting looks. And it's, you know, and I think that's where some of the frustration came. I think it was partially some lingering injuries, but I think a lot of it was, you know, he didn't look like he was wide open, but if you throw up that contested ball to Allen Robinson, he's coming down with it. And Justin mm-hmm. Fields just didn't have that trust. He'd rather, you know, rip the ball downfield to Demir Bird or Jacoby, <laughs> or, uh, or uh, who was it? Um, it was on the team. Oh, I don't, yeah, it was Kim Brandt. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he just didn't have that trust in Allen Robinson when he had a guy glued to his hip to throw the ball up to him and let him make the catch. And I think that just kind of started to spiral from there, and that's where Allen Robinson's frustrations were rooted from. Yeah, man, I, that's a really, really good point. And I especially remember watching that when I was in um, when I was in Chicago, watching the Chicago Green Bay game. I was just looking at Allen Robinson actually being very open and Justin Fields missing him too, which is fair. You know, rookie quarterbacks do this stuff. I'm still, you know, whatever I am on Justin Fields. But you're absolutely right. A lot of these rookie quarterbacks, and I looked at that with Lawrence a lot too, they just NFL open is so different than college open. It really takes a bit to adjust. And when you have a guy who's as special as Adam Robinson, he's definitely he might not be open in college or by college rules, but he is open by NFL standards and it's not close. Give that man the ball as best you can, you know? Um, I think you said and that, that's, something that, so. that's something people use as a knock for Allen Robinson all the time. When you look at his, oh, yeah. you know, yards, yards of separation per target. And it's like almost non-existent because he doesn't separate. He is just so big and strong and has that, you know, that, 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 that yeah. ball skill and, and the mm-hmm. jump ball ability. He comes down with those contested catches and, you know, Andy Dalton is willing to chuck those up and let him make a play. And, and Justin Fields just mm-hmm. didn't. And it doesn't help that the one time Allen Robinson did beat a defender and was wide open Justin Fields threw a dime and it went yeah. right through his hands in the end zone. And then from then on, Allen Robinson mm-hmm. just didn't get those looks. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, that's totally fair. Um, that's definitely true. Uh, yeah, I, I I don't remember that specific play or anything like that. But, yeah, I believe it, especially with a young quarterback, you have to trust your receivers. And if you don't have that there, you know, I, I understand why he would be like that. And he, you know, runs the ball. He was running for his life a decent amount of the time, too, especially in that uh, Packers game after the first half. But, yeah, I mean, um, I just – Alan Roberts just seems like a slam dunk. And I just I, – oh, I don't know. I also – you know, you mentioned Kenny Galladay, too. I know a lot of people are really, really off on him. But, I mean – and the injury stuff has been an issue too, but I mean, before the injuries and before all that stuff, he was also like a top 10 wide receiver. Now these guys are older than they were back in the day, back two years ago when we were expecting them to be Kings. But yeah, I mean, I'll take these veteran wide receivers that go for a discount because look, if they go past a hundred, I don't really care if I drop them like five weeks into the season anyway, you know, and if they're really good, the upside's there, you know? And, and we talked um, about, you know, wanting to accrue guys that can't appreciate in value and with how you know, the, the, the public is proceeding at Allen Robinson right now, even mm-hmm. at 29 years old, he can still appreciate in value. If mm-hmm. he comes out, you know, by, by week four or five, if he's pacing for 1200 yards, people are going to start looking at him as a high end wide receiver too. Again, right now he's uh-huh. getting drafted as a wide receiver four. he's somebody that can easily see his value jump this off season. Mm-hmm. Now like, uh, I'm going to read the names around Allen Robinson. Okay. You ready for this? Let's hear it. <laughs> All right, we're gonna we're gonna do a little bit of run. Uh, the first two that I'm gonna mention, I don't know, I I think I have these guys over Robinson too. Is Tyler Lockett and Brandon Cooks? Uh, would you rather have Robinson or either of those guys? I mean, we don't know the landing spot for Allen Robinson yet. Yeah, it's um, tough. You're right. Yep. Yep. And and you, I don't I don't know. I mean, I'm sure you've seen it, but I am a huge Tyler Lockett fan. So I, like I, I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm taking Lockett over Allen Robinson here. Cooks. Um, you know, those guys I have neck and neck. I have gone back and forth in this, and I'm actually looking at the startup that I'm in right now. Um, uh, you know, Bo Bo McBigtime on Twitter, he just took them back to back at the ten at the ten Oof. eleven turn. Oof, that um, and that's kind of where that's kind of where I've got them too. Um, mm-hmm. you know, they're the same age, uh, same quarterback uncertainties. Uh that that's a really tough one for me. Um I, I think I'd go Allen Robinson over Brooks ever so slightly. Okay. Okay. Or let's cooks. let's yeah yeah Brooks. <laughs> Let, let's go with some easier ones then because the other guys are on two in front of them. We have Michael Gallup, Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk, Jacoby Myers. I I don't know how these Gallup. guys are surrounded by Allen Robinson, but maybe maybe you have some insight uh, I'm not seeing. I'm taking Gallup. I'm taking Gallup ahead of Robinson out of that group. I am. Is it the age? Yeah. Huge what's up? Believer. Okay. I think age has a big thing to do with it, but I think that um you know he is a free agent this year. I think he's done everything proven that he can be a wide receiver one in the league. Um, and we haven't seen the fantasy production simply because he has been playing behind Amari Cooper or with Jason Witten or now CeeDee Lamb. I mean, mm-hmm. it has been so hard to get targets because he's just playing with incredible talents. But there are about a dozen teams in the NFL right now that Michael Gallup could go to and become the wide receiver one. Let's throw the Lions out there again. You know, Michael Gallup on the Lions is mm-hmm. probably going to see 130, 140 targets. So, um, just because of the upside with Michael Gallup, um, I, I, I am, you know, clearly have him ahead of Allen Robinson. Well, would you worry about like a quarterback downgrade in that scenario or like an offensive line downgrade? Well, if it's talking about Detroit, I don't even know if that'd be a, a downgrade offensive lines, but w- <laughs> would you take that into account? Um, you know what, what he's going to give up in potential quarterback and offensive line play. I think that he is mm-hmm. going to make up for in target share. Um, I'm just, you know. The, the two guys that you've asked me about, Tyler Lockett, Michael Gallup, those are like two guys that I am <laughs> okay. super bullish on compared to the okay. consensus. So that might not be the the popular opinion, but Gallup and Lockett, I have both of those guys ahead of A-Rob. 
Well, I, I could definitely see arguments, and I would probably... Mm, I could land on that side with Lockett, Cooks, and Gallup. But maybe not Gallup as much, because I, I, I do worry about... You know, I understand like he'd be getting more targets wherever he go, but I think the quarterback play would come down. And I don't know... I don't... I don't know if he could be that wide receiver one all by himself. I'm I'm just not sure. I think it's possible. I think there's definitely an a maybe even above fifty percent chance that it happens. And I guess that's all you can do in fantasy, but I don't know. I'm not really just talking about like Rondell Moore, Christian Kirk, and Jacoby Myers. I don't know how you can put Alan no Robinson chance. in the same breath no as those guys. Chance. That just blow yeah, it blows my mind. I'll say that much. Look, More I, agreement. Look, mm-hmm. I, I, I want to run two names by you because these guys yeah, just got selected. I, I've seen them go in the same round as Alan Robinson in a few startups I've done. Mike Williams and Michael Thomas. Um, yeah, not Mike Williams. I think he's more of a one hit wonder stuff. And he, he was so perfect with Justin Herbert. If he goes anywhere else, I don't know if I care for him at all, but how oh, Michael Thomas, man, he's, he's a guy that people are also sleeping on way too much. Um, if, if, if he stays in or wherever he goes, New Orleans, and they get him with like Matt Corral or like one of these rookies that I really like who throws the ball short really, really well and throws really, really nice dime passes to guys who run slants. He's going to be a, a top 12 wide receiver without a doubt. So I'm, oh, I'm just really yeah, happy. I think Michael J- Thomas. <laughs> James and Mike Thomas are just a terrible combination together. James, <sighs> James Winston is not the quarterback yeah. of Michael Thomas. And I love James, don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but he is not the quarterback for Mike Thomas. Yeah, sure. I Jameis was a completely different quarterback this year, though, I will say. And I think that's, you know, bears out in the stats, at least the interception of t- quarterback, you know, stuff, too. And I just don't know how to feel about him. But, yeah, I, I understand that it's not a good matchup at all. I don't I don't think I don't think it, it works either. But, man, I just I don't know, man. Michael Thomas has a lot of potential. Just a lot. Of, I mean, so does Alan Robinson, to be fair. But I think Thomas has more potential upside than Robinson does. So I, I think I'm over for that one. Um, and Mike Williams, he's way lower. I'm, I'm way lower than consensus on him. So, yeah, easy Allen Robinson for me. Cool. I like um, it. Yeah, and they're also, like, one year apart in age. So it's really not, like, I, I, at the age, I don't care at all about that. No, Allen Robinson that's is thing. way more. Allen Robinson, it feels like Allen Robinson is, like, five years older than Mike Williams, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know. I was kind of shocked when I saw that myself. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mean, he's been in the, I think Robinson's been in the league since he was, like, 20 or 21 or something. So, like, yeah, it, do, it does feel like a long time for him. But, I mean, he's still going. He's still really good. But, anyway, that's that's enough. For, or, or was there anything else you want to add about on Robinson? Is, let me let me just think of a scenario. I mean, what would, I guess there are probably some really bad, you know, places for him to land. But I can't imagine that, you know, a wide a not wide receiver needy team is going to be able to, like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like he must end up either in a scenario with a good quarterback, which he's never had, which would be really good for him, or a scenario where, you know, there are just a bunch of targets to go around and he'll absorb those targets like he has everywhere else he's gone. I just, I don't see him taking a contract or, you know, a team that's contending to be able to afford him for what I think he thinks him, himself is worth or what I or Alan Robinson thinks he is worth, which I would probably agree with him there. But I just, I feel like, you know, as much as we have no idea where he's going to go, I feel like it's got to be more beneficial than Chicago. Is that accurate, or do you yeah. feel the same way? Well, uh, I, I don't know. I'm kind of conflicted okay. on yeah. that because, yeah. like I said, in, in back-to-back years, this year was the you know anomaly, obviously, but for the two mm-hmm. years prior to this, he had seen over 150 targets. Right. And right. that is not an easy path to get to. So I don't know if there's a lot of situations where he can land with 150 targets. And then two quarterbacks that I think would be pretty good fits for him already pretty much have an Allen Robinson on their team. You know, Miami, they've got Devontae Parker. And then the New York Jets, they've got Corey Davis. Um, I think Zach Wilson and Tua could both, you know, benefit from a guy like Allen Robinson who can just make those, you know, um, intermediate contested catches. But I don't know if they're going to have any desire to bring in Allen Robinson since they already have 
Devontae Parker and Corey Davis, who are basically just poor man's Allen Robinsons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, that's that's a fair that's a fair point. Yeah, it's just I, I it it sucks talking about this stuff so early, but with you know without even going through free agency and stuff because I want to. I, I feel like this. We, I, or at least I want a more grounded conversation. You know where I know he's at, where I know he's going to be, and all that stuff. But yeah, yeah I, this, I still this like is when it's fun though, because this yeah. is when yeah. you can get the crazy <laughs> values. You know, right True. now you can get Allen Robinson in the tenth round, and if he signs in Detroit, then all of a sudden he's getting drafted in the third or fourth, and you got him in the tenth because you were doing drafts in February. <laughs> yeah, I, I really feel like this. This has got to be the lowest he's going to be all off season. For him, I really think, and I think Robert Woods is in that scenario too. And you know, a lot of these guys are mentioned, like Tyler Lockett and Brandon Cooks. I think just you know the new shiny names, which is why I love doing dynasties. Um, or I love doing dynasty startups where people are around the draft because they're just you know ready to go for those rookies. And I'm like, yeah, I'll take like fifty, uh, you know, I'll take like fifty veterans just win the league this year. Like that's fine. Like maybe you'll win it in like two years or five years, but I'll win this year. You know. And and that's why I said I tweeted it out a few weeks ago. I said go out and get Allen Robinson right now because this is the lowest his value is going to be. As soon as he signs with another team, people are going to find reasons to get excited. It doesn't matter what team he signs with. People are going to be able to you know wrap it up, put a shiny bow on it, and make it look like it's a good landing spot. So go out and get him now, where he when he's essentially free. Even if you don't have him on your team, buy him for a third round pick now. Flip him for a second round pick after he signs with a team, and you just moved up in your rookie draft. Yeah, that would be great. I would trade a third round rookie. I think for him in a heartbeat. I should look into doing that. Honestly, <laughs> I really should. Um, but yeah, okay. Anything else about Allen Robinson? Or are we good there? No, I think we we wrapped up Allen Robinson pretty well. Perfect. All right. So I just want to do like some quick bear stuff with you because I love talking bears, and obviously you're probably one of the biggest bears fans I know on Twitter. So love to just get your input about where, where do you like see like big picture of this off season going? Like deep. Do you think this Bears team is looking to rebuild or do you think that they're looking to give it at least one more shot, you know, with Khalil Mack and um, and Quinn still under contract? And I know Akeem Hicks is leaving, but, you know, whatever. But what do you think? Yeah, man, I think they got to rebuild at this point. Um, so? You know, the, the yeah, I, I do. And it, it pains me to say that because when you've got, you know, Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn and uh, Roquan Smith and Eddie Jackson, you've got all these playmakers on defense. You know, you got to say that there is a window, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the this the makeup of this team, you can almost kind of compare it to like the, the old um, Seahawks teams when Russell Wilson was on his rookie contract and they had the Legion of Boom. The only difference is those guys were a little bit younger at the time. Every guy that I m- mentioned besides Eddie Goldman or Eddie Jackson is mm-hmm. over 30 years old now. And those are all sure. the highest paid players on our team. So you've got all of these aging veterans that are just on the wrong side of 30. Um, and, and, you know, we, we're, we're not in the best cap space. You know, we don't have or, uh, the best uh, draft capital space. We don't have a first-round pick this right. year. So, um, I mean, if, if we can flip, you know, the I, I think anybody besides Justin Fields, Roquan Smith, David Montgomery, Tevin Jenkins, you know, some of those young, um, mm-hmm. you know, guys that with, with a lot of potential, I think that they should focus on rebuilding around them. But I think everybody else should be on the trade block. I mean, at this point, mm-hmm. if we can get a couple extra picks for Khalil Mack or uh, Robert Quinn coming off the year that he just had, I'd be A-OK flipping those guys for picks and just mm-hmm. letting this new new uh, organization just rebuild. Yeah, I I think I said it last year, too, and I'm going to say it again this year. I think the Bears have one more good year left with this team. I really do think they got one more year left with all this talent. You mentioned a lot of guys that I would agree with are very talented, too. Um, but I, I also love Jalen Johnson, and I assume you like him as well, too. Um, I, I, I yeah. do, very yeah. much so. Yeah, he's great. I really think the guy they drafted out of, I want to say Oregon, Thomas Graham Jr., I think he only played a little bit and it was towards the end of the year. Ooh. I think that was just because Nagy is, 
you know, a piece of shit, and I don't like him either. But um, I really think he's a very talented cornerback. They could have two really good cornerbacks. Eddie Jackson returns to form a little bit more. You know, Danny Trevathan plays as little as possible. Um, and then the offensive line. Well, he he basically got out. He got outplayed by Alec Ogletree last yeah, year. So you bad. know that if yeah. if we're signing a guy off the Giants practice squad that's yeah. taking Danny Trevathan's spot, yeah. it's, it's a it's a wrap for him. I love Trevathan too. I was a huge fan of him, but he's just so fucking slow Same. right now. It's terrible. Yeah. 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 And Ogletree um, was a man he was everywhere last year yeah yeah no he's he's not a bad tackler at all but and that's kind of what you get out of like you know linebackers now where you kind of expect you know the most that at least they can tackle you know what i mean um but i know i mean i like like the offensive line i I still think it's fine you know if it stays healthy i like barham like we mentioned you know i like tevin jenkins i think it's just still have cody white here under contract i believe and i still like him which he yeah, I wish he played center a little bit more, but that's okay. Um, and then, you know, we got Mooney. Maybe they bring in another wide receiver in the second round, which I think definitely there are going to be some good wide receivers who fall um, into the second round. And I don't know. You got some really good uh, running backs. You got, you know, Justin Fields on a rookie deal. Still kind of feels like, you know, get a get a rookie quarterback on a rookie deal and then try and, you know, spend as much money as you can as on their guys and see what you can do. I still think they have one more shot left under that. Um, but if they can get good money or good, good draft capital for Quinn and Mac, if they want to trade Mac, which... I think that would be fine. I think that's worth it too, because you'll just let the Jackson contract expire, let the Trevathan contract expire, um, all that stuff. I think that's fine too. But I don't know. I think they got one more year left that they could try it with. And the division, and Rodgers leaves, man, that division is wide open. Really, really wide open, man, you know? Yeah. Now, I, I just did a show with Herms uh, uh, yeah. about a week or two ago, and we, and we talked Herms, about yeah. the Bears. Can I just can I read off some, some metrics for you from yeah, last year? Yeah. And you can blame a lot of this on Nagy, no doubt, but – the Bears were 27th in points per game, 24th in yards per game, 27th in yards per play, 32nd in third down conversion rate, 28th in fourth count down conversion rate, 30th in red zone scoring, 29th in turnovers, 32nd in interception rate, 32nd in sack rate, mm-hmm. and bottom 10 in every single penalty metric. So, yeah, I mean, you can blame a lot of that on poor coaching and naggy, but I mean, that is just a terrible, terrible offense. And then we go out and we find we, we sign Matt Eberflus, who I, I like. You know, I think that he's going to be a solid coach, but he is a defensive-minded coach. Right. Um, and then even Luke Getze, the offensive coordinator that we brought in, sure, he was an offensive coordinator, but what was he doing? Or, I mean, I, I'm sorry, he was he was in Green Bay, but what was he doing in Green Bay? I mean, you know, he, he was he any more than Aaron Rodgers, you know, coffee boy, basically, just running around and asking him what he wants? I mean, that was Aaron Rodgers running that offense. So, you know, I, I'd feel a lot better if we went out and got, you know, a sharp offensive mind. You know, if we brought in Mike McDaniel or something like that, I'd be feeling a little bit more excited. But, um, you know, these are some some pretty boring hires that we brought into a very, very pedestrian offense. I just can't imagine any scenario where this suddenly becomes, you know, even even a slightly above average offense next season. Do, do you think that this team that they had in the past year, the past team they had, do you, do you think that they were an eight win team or like a nine win team or like a seven win team? Or do you think that they're accurate? What do they finish like six and 11, something like that? Yeah. And you know, they, they had some, some tough losses, um, yeah. but uh, you know, they're, they're, I, I think they were, I'm pretty sure I looked this up and I think they were exactly 500 on one possession games. So it's mm-hmm. not that they, you know, had anything working especially against them. I think that they probably could have won a few extra games, but, um, you know, it's, it, it just wasn't a good team. And and as much as I do like Justin Fields and am excited for his future, he he had some pretty bad plays last year. And a lot of that was, yeah. um, you know, just because Nagy would call some really 
weird plays that took a long time to develop and we didn't have the offensive line to support that. I mean, that's a problem in and of itself. Um, But, you know, I I don't know what changes need to be made, but we need to completely flip this offense on its head. And that worries me too, is that, you know, that's going to hamper the progression of Justin Fields a little bit, him having to learn a new system now heading into year two. Yeah, uh, I, I think that's fair. I think that's definitely fair. Learning a new system can always be tough on a rookie quarterback for sure. And I think, you know, I, I'm not going to blame Nagy for everything that happened with the Bears. I, I don't think that's I don't think that's fair at all. And I don't think you're saying that either. But um, I, I, I think Fields went through a lot of rookie issues that I think can be corrected because I, I really think that he was so talented um, at Ohio State. He could do a lot of things that, you know, I, I think a lot of people say this, that. Or maybe not about Fields specifically, but I think, you know, college quarterbacks can be up. They can do a lot more in college than they can get away with in the NFL. I think Fields did suffer from that a lot. I saw a lot of talent. I did. I think it's there. He needs to be involved in more RPOs. I don't understand why, like, every freaking coordinator isn't calling, like, a billion RPOs with these, you know, quarterbacks coming out of college who can run the ball really well. But, I mean, I think the pieces are kind of there in the offense, at least, uh, you know, position player-wise, who they have um, currently on their roster. It's Mooney, Komet. And the running backs. I think these guys are all great players, or I think they're all above average players. Um, and Fields will hopefully take a step forward, and they can rebuild this offense hopefully in his own image. But even you know taking out the offense, you know it was bad. They couldn't block. Fields was very erratic. He was good sometimes, bad sometimes. Bad play calling. Allen Robinson disappeared for whatever, but he was still on the field sometimes. And then after that, it was really bad. It was you know like you said, Meany and Demir Bird, and I don't know how much Daz Newsom played, and you know all these guys who were, who were pretty bad. Special yeah, even if we ignore all that shit, even if we ignore the offense is bad, maybe the offense will be bad again this year. I love bringing in Eberflus to play Bears football, who who really converted that uh, Indianapolis defense, who has nowhere near the talent, except for like two positions probably, that the Bears currently have on their defense. I don't think, I think that Indianapolis played way over their head defensively last year. I think it's probably because of Eberflus, and I think him coming to a Bears team where they can just sit put their nose down, run the football all the fucking time, and then play good defense. I think this is a, could be a 10-win team, no problem. And I, and I think it's worth it to give another shot. But, you know, I understand wanting to and blow you know, it up too because you're not doing it after shock, this year, you know? Shockingly, the Bears were actually ninth in run rate last year too, which isn't something mm-hmm. you typically see from teams with a losing record. So, um, <laughs> you know, they, they were able to That's Bears to football, to, am I right, Dave? That's Bears football, it, right? It, it is, man. You know, just just punish them on defense, try to win the turnover battle, and and run the heck out of the ball. And that's what they did last year. Um, and and the other thing they did really well was they had a uh, they had the best sack rate in the league. So um, you know they they had that going for them. They were able to put pressure on the uh, quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, but then what ended up happening is uh, teams ran against the Bears at a higher rate than any other team in the league. And it's because early in the season, you know, Roquan Smith and Khalil Mack, they were just feasting on quarterbacks and it got to the point where they said okay well they're going to crush us if we drop back to pass so we're just going to run the ball down your throat and that's how teams started beating the bears so they'll have to improve on run defense a little bit because that was their achilles heel last year yeah that's fair that's a good point for sure um yeah the the defensive line's probably definitely in flux is with i mean he can barely plays anyway for the most part right but yeah um i I think that Eddie Goldman deal is looking a little bit worse, right? That's Eddie Goldman, the guy in the – yeah, Eddie Goldman, the defensive interior guy. Yeah, I – Yeah, he didn't play last year. He didn't play at all? Did he not? Oh, did I totally miss no. that? I don't – right, well. you know, he set, out, he set out the 2020 season because of COVID, and then last year it was just kind of nagging injuries and yeah, personal problems. Was. I, don't, I don't think he took the field last year. Um, yeah, I think, I think there was some issues. It looks like he did play, but I, I don't think he played very well. Oh. <laughs> so, but that, that's okay. Yeah, I'm I mean, looking at it right now. Yeah. 22 yeah. tackles over the course of the season look pretty non-existent, yeah. Yeah, he played, he played like, yeah, he played. A, he showed you know, some he's, he's, yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, he's, he's defensive interior too on a, on a 3-4, so not a lot of stats for sure there. But yeah, I understand what you're saying. I, I like Nichols too, but that's a whole other issue. The interior is a little a little different than the, the pass rush. But I think pass rush is more important, but you're definitely right. If they can't stop the run, the team's just going to run the ball, that's fine. But in a, in Chicago, if I'm looking to run the ball against the Bears, and they're also running the balls, or running, excuse me, the Bears are also running the ball, I might take the Bears in that one. Um, but, uh, you know, this is, you know, the modern NFL where passing the ball is obviously easier, but... Anyway, Dave, I've chewed off here for over an hour, so I think we're good right now, unless there's anything else you want to add, and you can just plug your stuff again and do whatever you need to do. Yeah, man. Uh, like I said, it's pretty easy. You can follow me on Twitter, at Dave Kluge, that's K-L-U-G-E, and you can find all of my written work and all of my video content at footballguys.com. Perfect, man. Yeah, make sure you give Dave a follow on Twitter, because I'm always uh, in his spaces, you know, liking that stuff <laughs> and then giving him responses. Because I, I, I do think we agree on a lot, Dave, honestly, which is nice, and I think we disagree on some interesting points, and i like to hear your opinion, so I'm very happy to have you on, my my guy. And, you know, I, I think disagreements on Twitter, um, you know, as long as they're, like, respectful and, and you're not crossing that line and making it personal, I, that, that's my favorite thing to do. I mean, when I, I do a lot of work throughout the day. Um, you know, my job over at Football Guys is a lot more than just content creation, but that's just what keeps my day going. Like, I love having disagreements about players and game theory, theory whatever it may be. Like, that, you know, it, it's fun. It's a good way to build relationships. And, uh, yeah, you're, you're one of my favorites, Jesse. You're always uh, fun to talk to. You're supportive when you like one that uh, – when you see a take that you like. And if you see a take that you don't like, you've always got, you know, good stuff to back it up too. So I, I appreciate that about you. Yeah, no problem. I like to argue. Um, I like to do a lot of stuff. I think it's important because I don't want to be stuck in an echo chamber where I'm like, oh, I know these things are right and all, all the other people are saying it's right, so it must be right. I need to be challenged a little bit, and I like to challenge other people too. I, I hate when I see, especially in fantasy football communities, sometimes where people use one like line of argumentation or one you know, thought pattern, and they don't use it for another guy, and it really bothers me. So I'm seeing that now with like with Herbert um, and um, and Burrow, as much as I've come along thinking Herbert's a very good quarterback. Um, people are I'm getting a little bit on a tangent, but people are just like, oh, Burrow can't do what he did last year because it's even less disabled, all that shit like that. But people were never saying that same stuff about Herbert, and he just came out and he did it again. So a little bit of a tangent, mm-hmm. but it just bothers me when the logic doesn't line up. But anyway, Dave, I appreciate it. You're all going to come back on. Um, I love talking with you, man. So it's good stuff, all right? Cool. Appreciate it, Jesse. Thanks for having me, man. Perfect. Thanks for listening to the Bacon Games Podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at BGF Sports. And be sure to tune in next time.